Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? Yes, I am. Let's go. Let's you. go to London, England. We are doing the 1947 film Lourdes. Bless you. Film noir. Uh, Sandra Carpenter is a London-based dancer who is distraught to learn that her friend has disappeared. A police investigator believes her friend was murdered by a serial killer. Particulous. Oh, okay. Before we what could part- go wrong, though? Yeah, that, I Not was waiting. Oh, 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 sorry, 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 sorry. Oh. I know. Uh, <laughs> did it wrong? Well, it's it's uh, after hours. So. This is this is gone with the bushes after hours. You're in for a treat, listeners. Which I have to say, right here, right now, off the jump. Ooh, I really enjoyed this movie, especially the first half of it. I sincerely suggest that. You pause it, watch it, and then come back to us. Because there's Me so too. much. Fun. I loved it. See? You I got so excited. May I say, things. it's going into my my list. Me too. I for movie of the year. I put it in as well. So there you have and it. I think it's already knocked off my other contender, which is Paris Blues. So. Ooh. Ooh. It's great. If you like murder, if I you do. like Lucille Ball, if I you love. like George Saunders, Sanders. Never heard of him, but he was good. If you like eye candy, black and white eye candy. If it's you like black and white, but film noir, if you like, uh, I don't you know, do. one of the greatest masterpiece technicians of film directors. This is for you. So. And several twists and turns. Exactly. And less than two hours long. You're welcome all around. It's yes, fun. If you it. like, if you like and Dateline. twists and turns. <laughs> and who, if you like whodunits. Yeah. If you like watching Dateline, 48 Hours Mysteries, watch this movie. Keith Morrison ain't got nothing on Lourdes. Right. All right. So, the particulars. This is a remake of the 1939 French film directed by Robert Sidemack called Personal Column. That was the U.S. title. And Robert Sidemack's name might be familiar because we did his film, The Killers. Oh, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. That was B.C. That was B.C. Mm -hmm. So, this one... Is Lord is directed by Douglas Sirk, who did the 1959's Imitation of Life, which mm-hmm. we did. He also did All That Heaven Allows and Magnificent Obsession. Bit of a nerd alert for Douglas Sirk. He left Germany in 1937 when his Jewish wife was persecuted by the Nazis. See, he, he read the tea leaves and said, we getting out now. Mm-hmm. And then ran into her when he was touring Disney. <laughs> we ran into Oh, I fumbled that. I was going to try to allude to when, how Disney had What's-Her-Face, who was the German, Lenny Riefenstahl, 
And it was after like all the stuff. It's like, yeah, my man Douglas Sirk knew enough to get out, but Disney's like, oh, come here, come tour Disneyland, come tour. Well, it wasn't Disneyland at the time, because it. But anyway, you get the gist. <laughs> um, after hours, his films in his lifetime, during his lifetime, they were panned by critics, and they were deemed as sentimental women's pictures. Not this one. No, not this one. This okay. this one isn't. But he is he is known for like all the heaven allows and magnificent obsession. They're melodramas and stuff. Yeah, but those uh, were big in, at the time. Yes, and now he's seen as those films are seen as masterpieces, and he's considered one of the greatest film directors of all time. People like Guillermo del Toro and Quentin Tarantino list him as one of like the OGs that they look for. Um, See, so take that. And his films often, maybe is this one of the reasons why he was, uh, also there's the patriarchy just within that of like, oh, he made melodramas and women's pictures. So that was like to put him down in the 50s. But also his films were a critique of 50s America while painting mm-hmm. compassionate portraits of characters trapped by social conditions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, he got panned. But... Things change, and the way that people consider him changed. Yeah, because he got panned because they were considered women's films because they actually had women doing something in them other than just being showgirls or eye candy. Right. The screenplay is by Leo Rostin. He's a Polish-American humorist, screenwriter, and he also did a lot in Yiddish lexicography. He wrote The Dark Corner and The Conspirators and The Velvet Touch. And he's best remembered for his stories about a night school prodigy named Hyman Kaplan. And he wrote under the pseudonym Leonard Q. Ross. And he has a couple of uh, famous quotes that I thought were kind of funny. Um, One of his famous quotes is, quote, A conservative is one who admires radicals centuries after they're dead. (laughs) And in his book, The Joys of Yiddish, he defines chutzpah as, quote, that quality enshrined in a man who, having killed his mother and father, throws himself on the mercy of the court because he's an orphan. (laughs) That's chutzpah. Um, The story is by Jacques Copenez. He was born in the Ukraine he also did Orient Express and it's the pa- it's the Paris life. Simon Gantillion, who is French, he also did the original. Well, all three of these guys did the original um, personal column. He also did Gibraltar and Ernest Newbeck, who is Austrian, did Sperbritsk. One does not and one does not die that way. So we had such an eclectic, very European um people behind this film i thought it was very interesting the music is by michael or michelle michelet who was born in the ukraine and ah. also did the music i'm sorry born in ukraine did i put an article in that i'm so no, used to it i try not to. okay um m movie that we've done mm-hmm. and fort algiers the director of photography is william h daniels 
who did was American and did Grand Hotel, Dinner at 8, Ninochka, The Shop Around the Corner, Ocean's Eleven, and remember it was Greta Garbo's Personal Lensman. Yes. Mm. What an eclectic array of movies. And this guy, this thing looked beautiful. I thought his oh, camera oh, work yeah. was ausgezeichnet. The editor is John M. Foley, who also did Here's Lucy, The Lucy Show, seeing a theme uh-huh. here, uh-huh. Mm. Um, and Dishonored Lady. E. Newcomb, who also edited Rebecca Gone with the Wind in 1937's A Star is Born. Mm. As the cast starring, we have George Sanders as Robert Fleming. Now, Teeny, were you with us when we did uh, All About Eve? No. Okay, because he was in All About Eve. But he was also in Rebecca. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And really two very different characters. Yes, but he still has the great voice that I just love. Um, he was also in Foreign Foreign Correspondent, and he was the voice of Shere Khan in the Jungle Book, the old oh. animated. Mm-hmm. He's got that great voice. Lucille Ball as Sandra Carpenter. She was in Men of the Night, Murder at the Vanities, Fancy Pants, and Yours, Mine, Ours. Yes. And maybe a show you've heard of. A little show called I Love Lucy, which completely mm. changed the game in television. My favorite show of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, George Coburn. I'm sorry. Charles Coburn as Chief Inspector Harley Temple. He was also in Heaven Can Wait. Gentlemen prefer blondes and the more the merrier. Here's a nerd alert, which will explain the POC count, I believe. He was a member of the White Citizens Council, which, yes, is just as bad as you think it sounds. That's a white supremacist group that opposed racial integration. Oh, Oh. Oh. that's too bad. Boris Karloff as Charles Van Druten. (laughs) What a lovely surprise. He is in Frankenstein, The Bride of Frankenstein, and The Black Cat, and he's also the voice in... How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Uh, Joseph Kalia as he Garth. is. Yeah, Boris oh. Karloff. Yeah. Who knew? Mm-hmm. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see you weren't paying attention to the particulars when we did Frankenstein. I don't remember hearing. I don't remember you mentioning that then. You always mentioned it. All three of those podcasts. So that's just good to know. The Grinch. I do not. I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) Joseph Kalia as Dr. Nicholas Moriani. He was in Gilda and Touch of Evil. Alan Napier as Inspector Gordon. He was Alfred in 1960s Batman TV show. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And he was also in Julius Caesar and The Mole People. And finally, we have Tannis. Did you say The Mole People? Yes, I did. For you, specifically. (laughs) I wanted you to know that there is a film out there called The Mole People. And I, I, I'm like, maybe one day she'll look it up and we're, she'll do it. 
It's set in Lexington, Kentucky. I could take a camcorder to Lexington. <laughs> I was a mole person here until I got these. Uh, it's like yes, you were. were yeah, you? I, I would much rather be a mole person than hey everyone, come take a gander at what's going on in here. I'm on the first floor. Murderers, please. Murderers are welcome. All right. And we have Tannis Chandler as Lucy Barnard. She was uncredited in The Big Sleep, and she was also in The Trap. And here is a fantastic nerd alert. When she was in her 20s, she was working as a teletypist for a Hollywood brokerage office, and she was having trouble getting roles, which young starlets often, often have trouble getting. And because World War II was going on, there was a shortage of male actors because all eligible, oh. able-bodied men, you know, they're overseas. They're fighting. So she got a part in the 1943 film The Desert Song by pretending to be a male actor that she named Robert Archer. And... As a chic, she got to wear long flowing robes that hid her figure. And she was oh. show, she was so good in her role in the Desert Song that the casting office sent her out to another shoot. They're like, oh, yep, here you go. Go to this. And it was a film called My Reputation. And so in that film, because she's not like Robert Archer wasn't the leading man of it. He was just in the film. And there was a scene where he had to row uh mow the lawn and because it's Hollywood and it was a nice day the director was mm. like hey hey Robert why don't you mow the lawn why don't you take your shirt off to mow the lawn uh -uh. in this scene and that's when the ruse was up that's where she, she was oh my like God. yeah I can't I'm a girl I can't I'm sorry I'm a woman I can't I can't take off my shirt and so that's when her ruse was up and it was um like, people knew about it. I looked it up, and it, I found it in hoaxes.org. It was a whole thing. Like, oh, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Hoaxes.org? Yes, it's a website. For hoaxes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope, I hope yeah. that hoaxes.org isn't a hoax. <laughs> like, ha, got you. You thought. Maybe, maybe this whole thing was a hoax. Is that the end of the particulars? Mm -hmm. Okay, <clears throat> because she's taking a drink. We begin the movie knowing seven women have disappeared. We meet a young blonde on a bus, a young but white I, blonde on- I'm sorry. Can I just interrupt you to say that that's when I was in? But there were seven? Oh, the seven women gone. Yes. I'm in. I know. Was that the sign or was that the, the 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 person who was walking with the sandwich sign that said murder in Soho? Not Cause, yet. Because that yet. honestly that, the well, I'll get to it. Okay, that's sorry. That's coming ahead, up. But um because we hear about it. I mean, it takes us a while to get truthfully. When I first started watching this movie, I take notes on like the first 20 minutes. I had to keep stopping, I had to keep pausing it to write down notes or things that were said because so much was happening to set the scene. And it's so visual. It's yeah. so visual. So we meet a young white blonde 
woman on a bus with a note from the personal ads saying, blue eyes, meet me tonight according to letter. We'll wear red carnation, John. As she exits the bus, a man wearing a sandwich sign saying murder in Soho walks by. I'm in. Scotland mm-hmm. Yard receives a poem for each missing girl. They analyze the paper, typewriter, and check for fingerprints. Nothing. So they ask a dance hall girl from America to be their bait. <laughs> what? what could, could go, go wrong? Oh, there we are. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah okay so no more comments on that we're moving to poc so y'all heard what i said about charles right <laughs> so <laughs> i didn't see near a black person anywhere or no, a brown a, person nothing i was like man i guess he really was against integration so yeah there was, there was, yeah. Best believe he ended up on my fuckboy list. <laughs> With Zippola and cast. I've got, I've got cast. Okay. I have classism, but. Uh, well, I have a really big cast that'll be in my, I'll address in the nerd alerts. Okay. When I do the year. Um, but of course there's the patriarchy. Right. Because her. Her Sandra's boss tells her to go back to work like a good little girl. Yeah. Um, the fact that they just gave an American woman off the street a gun. Yes. <laughs> said good luck catching a serial killer who has eluded us. Um, and then also I thought that this was interesting. I was reading about how during the war, more women started working because, you know, the men were all fighting. Mm-hmm. And so in order to make in the factories and, and, you know, keep the country going, that that was the first time, I think, in the history of America, really, that that women were kind of encouraged and like, you need to go do mm-hmm. your part and get out of the house. And then they got out of the house and we're making money. And we're like, you know what? Not going back. I, I kind of like this. And so then when the war o- was over, because this this is 1947, so the war's been over for two years, um, that they, the patriarchy really wanted them to go back to being housewives. And so they instilled, like, Hollywood and the media and stuff to really kind of paint that picture. And it's very interesting. I was like, oh, yeah, this is 1947. And if you think about the course of the film, how she's a working girl and she's a dancer, and then at the, her goal in the end is to get married and to be a housewife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like, you know, the Hollywood saying, like, hey, this is really, though, what you want. Go go back. go Like, that was cute yeah. when you guys were working, but now you need to go back. Um, and then also the fact that, she just violence against women that she's working on another case, but happens to accidentally come across a sex trafficking ring that yes. she shuts down. Yes. And, and she just does it. And she yes. just does it. And also just the way that it is talked about that you really have to read between the lines to figure out like, cause they don't even say white slavery, which I then looked up and because um, it wasn't until I read a recap that they alluded to white slavery. And 
I found an article on opendemocracy.net that said that um that and it was about the the discourse of white slavery and how um at the turn of the 19th century it was largely constructed around the crude juxtaposition of dangerous foreign men and innocent white women and how the similarities in modern day anti-trafficking rhetoric are striking because both narratives and especially like in popular culture and the media, they toy with the details of the innocence and the ruin of the victim, coupled with the demonization of foreign men. Mm-hmm. You have anxieties about race, nationality, and immigration underpinned much of the debates on trafficking. And it wasn't until the racially neutral term traffic only replaced white slavery in international law in 1921 with the League of Nations International Convention to Combat the Traffic in Women and Children. So I just thought that that was interesting, and that mm-hmm. goes into caste, you know, because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. These white women going to exactly. these foreign men. So. Any others? I think that covered mine. Yeah. Um, you said patriarchy. Well, you might have said it differently. No, I, I pretty <laughs> much said it. But rest uh, assured, I have a I have a doozy of a cast. Okay, because it was, you know, women were reading the classifieds to, which was at the time what Tinder and eHarmony has become now. Yeah, it's always the, it's the same. Okay, so we then you would just have to like meet up with somebody without ever seeing them. Yes. Well, yes. I mean, like now- if I just got a random text message. I mean, yeah, granted, now you wouldn't know, like, you don't know if they're being truthful. But mm-hmm. imagine you just get a text message that's like, wear a red dress and meet me at the symphony at 8 p.m. I'd be like, oh, I'm getting murdered. I'm absolutely mm-hmm. not doing that. And would you go away with somebody who looked and acted like Boris Carla? Would you go away with him by yourself? No, thank you. Not us. Oh, I mean, no. that's that. I feel like that's some sort of ism that you just did right there. Like creepy. He gives off a vibe that tells you don't get murdered. I'm not talking about. Well, I did say his looks. I, I, I'm talking about the. Okay, I'm still gonna dig me deeper. No, but I. But it, but you do have a point. You you gotta go off of vibes, and he's just he's he's giving Halloween vibes and not like cozy vibes. Yeah. Which yeah. I mean, hey, that happens to women too. Resting bitch face, you know. We all get judged by our appearances. <laughs> Just smile. So we are two nerd alerts. I don't have any this month. Week. <laughs> oh my god! For the whole okay. month, I'll remember that next week. <laughs> well, this came out in 1947, September of 1947. So it had it has been exactly about two years since the end of World War II. So as we're recording this in the middle to end of March 2022, it's been two years since the start of the pandemic. So from now, that's the same amount of time that people in 47 had experienced the World War II ending. So it's still so it happening. It's it's in that weird thing where like it just happened, but it also feels like a lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. That's why I make mm-hmm. the comparison because you know like you think back to it and you're like, wow, that just how is that two years ago? And then in other ways, it feels like it was a lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth Short, 
the Black Dahlia was found murdered in Los Angeles. Oh, and there's so much about her. So much. And according to Wikipedia, the name the Black Dahlia was a nickname that, that Elizabeth Short got in her lifetime. It was not created by the press. And she got it from the staff at a drugstore she used to frequent in Long Beach. And it's a wordplay on the film that we've heard. I've mentioned this in other, when I do the um, particulars, the film, The Blue Dahlia. So she would go into this drugstore and that was a film that had come out. And she used to wear black, a lot of black. And sometimes she would have like a Dahlia in her hair. And so the drugstores and the people, you know, they just gave her the nickname, oh. The Black Dahlia. Now, if it had been up to the press, it would have been known as the werewolf murder. Okay. So I, Why? I, because it was so gruesome. <laughs> because they oh. had never... She was, was torn apart a lot, wasn't well, yeah. she? No, she was like surgically well, like, like cut apart and placed in an alley. And it's, hey, it's 1947. Go, it's... To this day, it's unsolved. There's so many theories about who did it, but it's it's uh, haunting and just scary. the The details of it of of because she wasn't killed where she was found, and it's like it's that like murder, like David Fincher, like Silence of the Lambs craziness of, yeah. and it, it's real, and it happened. In 1947, um, the Greek Civil War is a thing. They're they're fighting Ooh. a civil war in Greece. The communists take over Poland. The Truman Doctrine, which was a thing that uh, basically they, the United States was like, you know what, communism must not spread, and we must keep it from spreading. And so, because of that implementation, thus marks the official beginning of the Cold War. And ah. so you, you have the CIA, you have the Department of Defense, you have the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the National Security Council all being created in 1947, coming from the Truman Doctrine. You also have the Doomsday Clock is introduced and it is maintained by the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists um, because they're all like, OK, so now we need to know exactly how close we are to just blowing each other up. In 1947, and here's a little fun fact. According to Wikipedia, it has that the Cold War ended in 1991. <laughs> you thought? <laughs> we also have The Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank is published. Oh. And here is my cast nerd alert. So in 1947... Percival Prattis becomes the first black news correspondent that's allowed into the U.S. House of Representatives and Senate press galleries. 1947. So we're like, oh, that's a good thing, right? You want to feel proud about that. But I was like, wait a second, 1947? What in the actual fuck, America? 1947, the first black man is allowed to be a reporter in the United States House of Representatives and Senate. Because in 1870, Hiram Rhodes Revels was the first black person to be seated as a member of the Senate. So mm -hmm. going back until 1870s, we have black people who are allowed, who are serving people 
but no black reporters. I, I guess we didn't have any black newspapers or there was no such thing as black reporters. So it's from 1887, 1870 to 1947, that's 77 years that there are no black reporters allowed to be in reporting on Congress. The first black newspaper was the Freedom's Journal, and that started in 1827. So you're like, I, you know, I knew that there, there had to be black newspaper, man. So, you know. Right. Frederick Douglass, we all know him. He's famous. Mm -hmm. He founded his own newspaper, the North Star. And that newspaper was founded in 1847. Mm -hmm. So a hundred years <laughs> before it took a hundred years for like when Frederick Douglass's newspaper. So all this time we have like, all these black newspaper reporters and all we have black people serving, although you know they go they go out of their way to cut back on it and to make black people not be elected representatives and the whole reconstruction thing. I just thought I was like that's pretty fucked up. That it took until 1947 for a black reporter to be allowed in to cover the United States of America's government. It's kind of like all these companies that are like, look, we have a diversity and inclusion committee now. And you're like, but wait a minute, how long have you, how long has your company been around? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and also in 1947, much to the chagrin of Charles Coburn, Jackie Robinson reintegrates baseball because remember Moses Fleetwood Walker was the first black person to play in the major leagues in 1884. Mm -hmm. And then it was after that that it got segregated and all of that stuff. So when Jackie Robinson Day comes up, yeah, Jackie Robinson is a hero and stuff, but he reintegrated it because it had already been integrated. There were already black players. Fleetwood is, uh, Moses Fleetwood is just the one that we know of because y'all know that there are other black people who played. Y'all just didn't know they were black. Well, just say that. And there weren't black reporters to be able to highlight the black players. Well, no, they were, there were black reporters, but they just weren't allowed inside the press gallery for the Congress, in the, in Congress, you know, to report about what was actually going on in Congress and stuff. You know, we didn't have C-SPAN then. Um, so that, that's funny. Like, think about it. Everything that you're getting from the reporters about what's going on in Congress mm -hmm. is coming from white men. <laughs> sort of like the Bible. Sort of what the... I, when people call the word out there, she yeah. went there, folks. Well, and then also you have to think about the word objectivity, because what is objectivity? If you're if you're like you need to look at a story ob from an objectivity point of view, <laughs> isn't that just the white male point of view? Isn't that the default yeah. objectivity? So if you're not right. looking at that, then you're not looking at something from an objective. It's all baked in. It's just all baked into the, to the beautiful, beautiful crust. The films baked number into those crackers. <laughs> she said it. Wow, just going on here. The Bible and the see, it's not coming from the brown one. <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house, which it needs to. Good on you, ma. 
Good on you. Number five, Forever Amber. Number four, Life with Father. Number three, Unconquered. Number two, The Egg and I. And number one, Welcome Stranger. I've never heard of any of these. The no. Egg and I? E-E-G-G? The Egg, E-G-G and I? Yeah. Huh. I wonder if, I even wonder if that's even correct. I've never even heard of these. <laughs> The, okay, the Oscar, the best pictures. We have Miracle on 34th Street, Great Expectations, Crossfire, The Bishop's Wife, and the winner, Gentleman's Agreement. Oh, okay. And those are my nerd alerts. Well done. Christine, any nerd alert? Not from me today. Nor I. So now we are to negative reheatables. Well, there were a few. Yes. The leg inspection. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have just walked out the office door. I wouldn't have pulled my skirt up. I just would have walked out. No, that's the end of me. And um, three times, three different men ask her to stand up and turn around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no. Even I said no when your aunt asked me to stand up and turn around. <clears throat> and I'm just saying, going off with Boris Karloff, he just gave off a, a killer vibe. But that was her job, though. She was being, she had the lure. She had the lure. Others? I'm sorry. <laughs> A Mac is just in the bathroom. I could see him on the screen, like sitting and staring at me <laughs> with yes. one eye because <laughs> she's sitting other... in the bath. That was very distracting. <laughs> His he other eye is there on the and... side of the door frame, but it doesn't matter. There's no eye there. Yeah. So that's, that's... my negatives. <laughs> yeah. He's like a weirdo. <laughs> it's like he's stalking her. <laughs> um okay i'm sorry about that um my negatives she ordered now i have a champagne cocktail on my pot i don't know what that is but i put it in my positive because i'd probably whatever it is i'll order it Mm -hmm. but she didn't take her champagne cocktail with her after she i I noticed that as well (laughs) somebody buys you a drink take it yeah um this was just based off of what he was saying to her before I knew how it was going to go. But that guy, Moriani, he's a dick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then phone booths. Just mm-hmm. a negative for me. No privacy. Everyone knows when you're going to make a phone call. Like Very germy. Very claustrophobic. Very germy. Yeah. Very germy. But it was an English one. So that meant it was red and charming. <laughs> well, it was black and white. So not to me. That's true. I have so she was a taxi dancer, which meant that she would get, uh, she, like they would be sitting and then guys would pay to dance with them. Yes, that's legal, but yet sex work is a crime. Yes, I, I, that was a yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we're going back to this, but the when they were talking about what Moriani, what their whole plan was and stuff. Um, they called it 
so they basically referred to sex trafficking as quote apprentices of crime. <laughs> like their whole explanation of it was seemed very much like like it just one of those just glossing over it, and you had to be like pause and be like, wait a second, what? They're really, really putting a lot of perfume and makeup and lipstick on that pig. Like they're doing a lot of work to. Like, this is horrendous what's happening here. This is sex yeah. trafficking. And they're like, no, it's so quaint. And and I forgot to write this down, but one of the things that made me laugh the hardest was when Moriani confronts, like, the butler guy, who's the guy that's, like, screening the girls. And he's like, what, are you, what did you tell them? You told them something. And it's, like, all the things that he could have said about their illegal operation He's, he just pulls out a thin air like, you told them the name of the boat, didn't you? <laughs> they know the name of the boat. Yes. And then also somehow like their worst crime wasn't being sex traffickers. It was that they were jewel thieves who also happened to be sex traffickers. Mm-hmm. It's just very, it's just very odd. Um, also with Moriani. Why did he throw the, his knife in that fight? He had he was fighting with the Fle- the Fleming guy, and he has a knife. The other guy doesn't have any weapon, and he just throws it. I th- I just thought I don't know I don't know about knife fights. I thought that was an odd move myself. And then when <laughs> what's his face gets the knife, he just throws it away. Uh, exactly. We're gonna do this man I'm man. A, I'm gonna be hand a gentleman. Yeah, he's like, I'm. excuse me, I am British. I am going to be a gentleman, and I will throw this knife away. Like, okay. Um, all right, we are, like I told you guys, watch this, because it's about to get spoiled. But about halfway through the film, when when she, it just cut, it's a great cut to the editing of this, because it just cuts to the police, like somebody's reaction, and that's when you find out that they got engaged. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Sandra Fleming, or like th- th- now they're just gonna get married, and I'm like, wasn't that what your girl said? Mm-hmm. Wasn't she before she went and got murdered? Man, I'm. I was just like, that's the murderer's mo, girl. I wanted to be like, share, uh, slap her, be like, snap out of it. <laughs> um. She didn't hear herself to ha- hear the words that came out of her mouth when she goes to to her her fiance's house that she's sharing with the other man, and it's like, oh, this is where the two celebrated bachelors live. Yeah, I, like nothing, nothing like clicked. Yeah. Um, and then why did Jul? There's so much at the end of this. Like, why did Julian make such a huge scene about putting the picture in the drawer where all of the killer's trophies were? Right. Then, like you're the one that gave it away. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he's like, no, no, you can't read what this one, what this picture says. And then he puts it face down and leaves. And then, ay, ay, ay. Um. And also how it never came up between Sandra and Fleming that she was an undercover police officer. <laughs> like they were, Yeah, there was hired to hunt down the poet the poet killer, but but we're engaged that never came up. Um and no one ever suspects Julian. Yeah. 
unbelievable. And then, uh, but then I was like, wait, why did Fleming confess? And it wasn't until I read a, a recap that they said that that it was part of a plan. But then when mm-hmm. I rewatched the they movie, said that at the end, yeah, yeah. But then when I rewatched the movie, it was he said that he would rather die than spend the rest of his life in prison. Yeah. So I he guess he did say that. But at the end, the um, police. Yeah, like that. The end. There was a lot of just like, oh, okay, we're just wrapping this up real, like, uh, real, 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 real quick. Um, and then Julian's motive at the end, I don't think so because he was obsessed with all the women. That's what I I felt like he was in love with uh, the dude, and that's what that's what I thought. But but then he was. We got Hayes code. We got yeah. his code. He was sending the dude to prison, though, so. Yeah, because he was a murderer. <laughs> He's just like, ah, the jig's up. Um, And then, finally, I think you'll appreciate this, Ma. I'm sure you will, too, Teeny. At one point, um, somebody finds her, her temporary identification. Mm-hmm. And why do we put weights on IDs? Oh, God. Like, I understand the height. Because your height, you know, once once you hit puberty and stuff, your height's not really going to change. But your weight? Yeah. Ha! Come on. Come on. That fluctuates, people. There's no reason to put that on identification. I agree. I agree. What are we even doing? So those are my negative reheatables. Outstanding. So now we're to positive reheatables. <clears throat> there was an adorable bulldog who was not in the movie enough. Mm. Oh yeah. Uh, peep toe pumps. Oh, I miss them. A lot of peep toe pumps. I thought Boris Karloff was so good. It was almost a comedy role that yeah. he was playing. And um, and with that, I had cobwebs too. Uh, that, no, those were negative. He was just but, really creepy. Yeah, but you go in and you first of all you see that dress he wants you to put on. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> and then when he topples down, the, I thought he was funny. And teeny crossword puzzles. I know. I had that too. I like that bit. That was great. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I had that bit too. He was our Stanley from the office. Always doing crossword puzzles. Okay, other positives. I had champagne cocktails, even though I don't know what's included. I don't either. Maybe not... like an Aperol spritz with like a wine spritzer. But I, 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 I don't mimosa. Know. It's it's just champagne, so I'm in. You had me at champagne. Yeah, yeah but but leave off the uh, cocktail part. Just give me. Well, unless it's bad champagne, then I don't want any of it. <laughs> yeah. Snob, such a snob. Moving on. Whiskey and sodas. I had that on there too. Yes. The crossword bit. I just wanted a little bit more of it. Mm-hmm. But what it was like, they do the thing. He'd be like, what's the five-letter word that means excavator? She'd be like, I don't know. I got to go. I don't want to miss B minor. And he'd be like, that's that's it, minor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I loved her symphony outfit. Yes. Be glamorous. Um, The saying, I bundled it. Like uh, Progressive? I Brits say the Brits say that. 
No. Oh, like I was thinking flow. I messed, like I flubbed, like I flubbed. Oh, not not in a bundle. I, I was thinking, you know, the progressive's been all over the oh, yeah. NCAA tournament. So I'm just like, ah, you can bundle your insurance. Yeah, but bundle your savings. Caesar the dog, he was good. And another answer to the crossword puzzle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Ivy on brick walls. Oh. Mm. Yeah. I okay. have the opening credits, how it was the spotlights on the yeah. buildings, and it kept oh, yeah, moving. Cool. Um, I always mentioned the mo- murder and the Soho sign. I was like, yes. Oh, man, the direction I thought it was fantastic. The camera movements, the editing, the music. There's a scene, the scene where the audience puts it together ahead of um, what's going to happen. It, it's when he's... Uh, what's his face? Harland or Temple, whatever the Scotland Yard guy. He's um, reading the the poem about the latest victim, and then it cuts to her dress, and so then the audience knows. And so you're like, oh, like we all had an inkling of obviously because there was only two women in this whole film, and one of them disappeared very early on. So you're like, you're gonna be in the crosshairs, lady, and how. The music, though, because it's you think it's the music's gonna be all suspenseful, but the music was all like a juxtaposition. It's like all light and like airy because it's it's kind of coming from her character's point of view, and the like. I just found that to be more freaky than if it was ominous music. How it was all cheery, and I'm like, she's in the lion's den, uh-huh. and the um. I just thought it made it way more suspenseful. I like the officer Barnett, the bodyguard. He's like the grizzled old veteran. He's been on the Scotland Yard for 29 years. And I was just like, look at these old people representing. But then you had to think, oh, he was too old for service in the war. So he he was the best they had and probably the youngest they had. So I thought that was interesting. Um I love Lucille Ball in this. I did yeah. too. And I also loved the unlikely pairing of her and George Sanders together. I, I was reading some articles where people didn't like them together, but I'm just like, y'all don't understand just the comic, just genius of the, of these two together. You know, I, I liked it. I feel like it was ahead of its time. And definitely Hollywood had no idea what to do with Lucille Ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they didn't really know what to do with George Sanders either, really. And I like, because she had such toughness and street smarts that I totally believed. You know, I'm sorry, but I don't know. Name like a, a film actress from those times. I'm still not going to believe it, but there's just something I believe like in Lucille Ball's toughness. Like, she is so attractive and beautiful and glamorous, but then she just, the way that she would say some of her lines and stuff, there was just that toughness, and... Yeah. I, I just really liked it. I like the... One of the my favorite parts was when she clocks the room, when she... It's basically her yes, audition. Yeah, so good. And she's, like, saying what's in the room, and then she just, like, reads that guy down, like, knew him to a T. And when then... she was like, and you probably have stomach problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
same, but I hope I don't look like it. No, you don't look gray, so that's good. Um, and then the scene where she's in the car because she's gotten saved by you know Barrett, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, like here's your gun," and then she just like takes out. She's like, "Oh, here's yours." You're just like, yeah. "Oh, snap." <laughs> Um, and then also when she had Fleming go and, and play the song again so that she could make her escape mm-hmm. because she still, but she still like wrote the letter so that she could keep the door open. But she was still like, I'm on the job here. Like I need to, to figure out a good, like she was just really good at just thinking on her feet. And I, again, shut down a sex trafficking ring just on accident. <laughs> just stumbling through See it. See what women can do when you let them. It's unbelievable. Um, how personal ads are still a thing because it's just changed, like just changed with the technology, but it's still a thing. Yes. Um, and then who knew that Brian Cox, the actor in succession was a time traveler. Did y'all see him? I think he was the flustered musician. There was a guy in this. He looked just like Brian Cox to me. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this guy is, what is some sort of warlock? No wonder he's good at acting. He's been doing it for years. So those are my good reheatables. Is it possible it was him or maybe his father? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. He just looked a lot like him to me. Okay. Well, quotes, Aaron just gave one of them. Here's your gun, Miss Carpenter. Thanks, here's yours. And his was way bigger, and she had gotten his gun. Mm-hmm. It's not our brains we should rack. It's the brain that wrote this. Wasn't the Scotland Yard dude Scottish, too? Well, in real life, fuckboy Charles Coburn was born in Georgia, I believe Macon, Georgia. So he is completely miscast in this, and I thought on my second viewing that he was maybe doing an Irish accent. I just really didn't understand what okay. he was doing at all. And especially because I happen to usually I watch the movie and then do the uh particulars. And in this case I did the particulars beforehand. And oh, so, so I there was no Oh I already came into this with like fuck this guy. <laughs> I had high <laughs> fuck this guy energy. Write him down on your list. Um, my IQ must be flying at half mast. She had great lines. The Ooh, that's what it was. Okay, lines. I wrote that down weird. We got Leo Rostin over here with his uh, yeah great. So those those were the ones I wrote down. What do other people have? Um, unpleasant memories are sometimes hard to shake off. Oh, yes. that's a good one. Yes. I think I wrote this down wrong, but I it was mm-hmm. mostly in her delivery, but a drink would improve me no end if you drink it. A drink would improve no end if you drink it. Yeah, there was and a... She said, well, if a drink would do that, then more power to it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The the line was weird because I didn't really follow the line. Yeah, but, but she then she had a good rebuttal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I have a contender for quote of the year. Oh. A better job, more money, a little fun. What any girl wants. 
Isn't that true? I have. Don't say it, Mr. Fleming. Let me guess. It's been said before. I was just like, damn zingers. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget who said this. Oh, I think it was probably Barrett. He said, didn't I pop up right when you needed me? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and this, this made me laugh. This slide. It's when they're getting in the whole, like, what, what's his, what's the poet's name? Baudelaire. And the guy goes, I see. But Baudelaire died years ago. And the guy goes, yes, quite horribly. Paris, 1867. <laughs> that was just, it's just, uh, just the way that, that they say it, the line readings of that and how it cuts. He's like, yes, he did die horribly. And I looked it up. Kind of horrible. Mm. Kind uh, of- that whole thing also kind of made me laugh because he was like asking the, uh, what is this? his friend or whatever, his secretary, whoever that guy was, he was about his Baudelaire book. And he was like, like the other guy didn't have access to this. He was like, well, our rooms are always unlocked. And he was like, liar. He doesn't even know who Baudelaire is. (laughs) (laughs) And then when he put the book back, he put it back upside down. Oh, here's a tasty titty. The quote that he reads from the Baudelaire book isn't even Baudelaire. No, it's not. Oh, He's shit. reading um, Harmonic Dussoy, Dussur, by Lord Alfred Douglas, even though he's holding oh. the Baudelaire book, Flowers of Evil. <laughs> it's like not even, so it's just, they're American. They're not going to know Baudelaire. Exactly. Just... <laughs> I didn't until I read, read it in my own tasty taste. I didn't. And then I had to Wikipedia and be like, well, how did he die? Oh. Yeah, he got got like uh you know had like paralyzed and stuff, and he was back in like the what was it eight the eighteen eighteen sixty seven being paralyzed, and you know they didn't really know have a lot going on medically about. Was that the French Revolution time? Eighteen sixty seven. I don't know. I know that like Maybe slaves that's... had just been freed. <laughs> that's that's what I know. Okay, so <clears throat> LVP. I have making a uh, a regular citizen, a member of the police force, enough to have a badge that said she was police force, and a gun with no training in anything. Well, that's because she's a white woman. Because. <laughs> Well, there you go. And there we are to cast. But what was that? Oh, we watched another movie like that. Yeah. Where they like kidnapped a girl or something. Hmm. It's not like that. Never mind. I well, don't know. It, it does seem like, but uh, yeah, that is kind of a trope though, where people, it's like, oh, here you have to, wasn't it like yeah. clute or something? Maybe it was like, yeah, it was like, maybe yes. not. They made somebody the detective like they just have no laws for themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it's like the oh you you look like me so I can trust you with this gun. Here you go. You know. Yeah. I mean, and she did a better job than any of them. She did indeed. Um, my LVP is a specific scene. 
when she when she was like oh this is where the bachelors live mm-hmm. and he was like oh he said something about oh go on don't you want to kiss your husband's business partner yes Yeah. yeah, he was like, oh, go ahead. And this is after they go have ahead, decided. Go ahead, your husband's business partners. And I'll tell you what, I don't want to kiss any of my husband's business partners. <laughs> but Teeny, this is after she oh, comes in. She comes in and Julian's like, oh, okay, I have to move. And then she's like, no, you don't have to move. I can't, I can't make my best, my husband, my fiance's best friend. I think she was move. maybe a swinger. Yeah, and she's like, oh, no, you can stay. And so he's like, all right, I'll stay. And then he got all super creepy of like, oh, why don't you give the business partner a kiss? Yeah, you're, I saw it on the second Oh, that's right, it was him that said it first, yeah. Yeah, it was creepy. And he was like, go ahead, give your husband's business partner a kiss. Yeah. And she did. And look where that got her. Aaron? Oh, oh, well, my LVP is um, Charles Coburn. Spoiler. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, and then I was thinking it should have been human trafficking, really. Oh, you know. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or just, just the way that they were just so used to it that. Well, yeah, and also just the way that, that it was. Um, just tiptoed around because it's yeah. like you can't say what it is like when we say like how you can't call rape like rape you know like call it what mm-hmm. it is it's like oh they violate you know like they like sanitizing violence against women to and then that only further goes to make it like oh there's these women were just going on holiday and they had a rough go of it and it's like no there's mm-hmm. like horrible abuse going on here let's call it what it is Okay, so to MVP, mine is having an intelligent, no-nonsense, sarcastic female lead. Yeah, until like the last 20 minutes of the film. (laughs) There's that. (laughs) Come back to me, Robert. (laughs) And they didn't make her wear, like... She wasn't overly sexy. Right. Her her mm-hmm. character was the sarcastic one that was throwing the lines at everybody else. So I have a couple runners up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Mac has one as well. He's got allergies. It's springtime. He just threw his runner up and, and ate it. Um <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, wait. I need it. Wait. Oh, i got to cleanse my salad. Oh, my God. Oh. Mm-hmm. Caesar the dog saved a life. Yes. The plot I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. But Lucille Ball mm-hmm. and specifically her scream, I had, I'm like a, ma- I like, major Lucille Ball fan, but mainly I love Lucy and all of her things post I love Lucy. Mm -hmm. Like the Lucy show and her comedies. 
So I'd never seen her in something like this. I had never either. So good. Yeah. I had only heard about how in the mythology of the Lucy show and how it comes to be, they always make her out to be a failed film actress and that she wasn't, they always like kind of put the blame on her. Like she wasn't any good. She wasn't good enough. She couldn't, yeah, she couldn't make it at RKO. She couldn't do all that. Get out of here. Like, no, y'all didn't know what to do with her. Exactly. Exactly. She was too good. And then she goes... I mean, like the things that she goes on to do with Lucy and Desi Lu, the the reason that that show is on that like Teeny and you and I know it and see it is because she was the first person to film a multi-camera show on film. And that's why it holds up. That's why they can redo it. And that's why it looks so fantastic on TV. And it can be seen to this day because she was like, nope. And she was such a savvy businesswoman. I mean, Desi as well, but like it just and it's like you know what at least that worked out for her and oh, yeah. then we get to yeah. go back and see and this and be like you guys are fucking idiots this yeah. was great she was my first tattoo yes i bet she was mm-hmm. and i i was think- too i was i didn't have enough money you know and they have the um and the early um i love lucy films it's like the cartoon of like Lucy yes. and Desi ha- handing each other, ha- he's handing her a heart. Yes. And yes. have enough money to get both of them. So I just got her and I was like, ooh, one day when I when I find somebody, I'll get um Desi handing her the heart. But like I did that, you know, that didn't happen. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Yeah. Cause I mean Desi He wasn't I, <laughs> he's yeah. a different yeah, that'd be weird to get like a I think you have it perfect. A Cuban yeah. man tattooed on you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then people would go, is it? Is it Adam with Lucy? Or any, I was thinking. You know, to Adam. match my um, red hair, but. <laughs> uh, perhaps she didn't sleep with uh, producers and stuff too. I mean, she was a pretty self-assured woman. So maybe that was one of her strengths. Yeah, like maybe she didn't play the game or yeah, maybe. Like this. Yeah, and then it's also just like luck. Oh, yeah. Like there's more in Tasty Titties that, that I have on that. Excellent. Well, my MVP is the forensics guy who could tell it wasn't just a glove print, but that it was a suede glove print. Yes. Now, I hope that he used his powers for good and that he knew what he was talking about and that he wasn't just a lucky guess and that he condemned many an innocent person to death <laughs> because no. he just got lucky this one time. It was, yeah. But I like that they showed like the forensics of the time. It was like, look, yeah. we have the typewriter and look at these Gs. And he's like this and it... It's not just a glove print, but it's suede. And I was like, God damn, this guy and knows his shit. When they went into the paper, I was wondering if it was Dunder Mifflin paper, but no, it was Victoria paper because mm-hmm. they were talking about the different kinds of paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have like that's what happens when you get a, eight white women missing. <laughs> people, people, they bust people out the forensics. <laughs> 
Okay, um, now it's re recasting. And I didn't do it. Good, it doesn't need it. Oh, but I did one. Well, I hope you love Lucille Ball in there. I'm not watching it. I think you, I think this might be uh, okay. So if for Fleming, for no, for Fleming, I have Tom Bateman, who remember when we watched Behind Her Eyes, he was the the husband. It was the the one with the um, Bono's uh, daughter. It was British. Well, he's just a in my mind. He's just like white goober guy. Like he would be a good George Saunders type, just very vanilla, but like you know, good looking, tall. So I could he could play that. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, for Julian. Yeah, he's actually good looking. Mm-hmm. For Julian, I have Jason Schwartzman. Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's perfect. For Temple. I just, when I came up with this idea, it just made me laugh. And I was like, you know what? Would love to see what he'd do with the role. Al Pacino. Wow. And then this was really hard because I'm like, all right, well, who are we going to be as Sandra Carpenter? Exactly. So I wanted to be, I wanted it to be somebody because you really had to get like the toughness, the no nonsense, but then also had excellent comedic timing and maybe somebody who much like Lucille Ball at their point of the career was underappreciated and underutilized. And so I went with Darcy Carden, who was in The Good Place. Remember, she's the, uh, the comp the yeah the computer yeah the computer oh, first yeah. okay right so that's that's what I went because I, I thought she's hilarious and you know like we we should have more of her in our lives yeah she's right. good okay and I'm glad we had the good place to be able to see her mm -hmm. okay so we are to tasties. Um, you know, this, this weight thing with stones, mm -hmm. it just doesn't make sense. So her ID said she weighed eight stone, two pounds. So a stone Sounds is 14, good to me. 14 pounds is each stone. So she weighed 114 pounds. Wait, they got the, they got the That's audacity. It? Yeah. yeah. As tall as she was. Yeah. Do you think that really was how much she weighed? No. I think that it oh. was Lucille Ball being flexing that Lucille Ball muscle, which I don't begrudge her one bit because I would have done the same thing. Oh, we're putting weights on here? Well, then I weigh. <laughs> Let's take a stone off of there. So you said that she weighed yeah. 114. Uh, this says she only weighed 121 pounds, though. Maybe she wasn't as tall as we think. Also, there's the fact was, that people lie, and there's also the fact that there's five foot six, a lot of amphetamines. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, like yeah. just uh, eating disorders running rampant. That's true. So, like, so like you you're out here and you see people, you're like, I don't. You, know, you can't body shame and stuff, but sometimes you're just like, you're really skinny. Yeah. Tell me about it. And then yeah. when you watch TV, because, you know, they say that the camera adds 10 pounds. So when you see somebody on TV who is 
Like I noticed that they're really skinny or like how skinny are you? Yeah. Did they say that about photos? Is that the same for photos or just video? It's the same for photos. Everything. Okay. That's why I look so bad in all the photos. Um, and I also had this was That's a remake. bullshit, mother. Of the nineteen thirty-nine French. So we were just like yeah, we just agreed with you. It's fine because it's so true. Uh, those are my tasties. <laughs> I just had that the set was shut down. Production was shut down for three days because she Lucille Ball collapsed on set. Oh, probably because she was hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she was probably starving herself to get in those fitted dresses. Mm-hmm. I have that halfway through the theatrical release that the name was changed from Lord to Personal Column. And remember, Personal Column was the name of the was the American or the yeah the American name of the remake, the thirty nine remake film. So it came out as Lord halfway through the theatrical release. It was changed to Personal Column because the production code administration. Mm-hmm. Thought that Lord sounded too much like Lorid. Mm-hmm. And so then they made them change the film. And Douglas Sirk, to his dying breath, he felt that the change confused potential audiences. And that's what led to the box office failure. Because they yeah, didn't have access know. tonight. You know, they don't have, it's like, oh, it's a Lucille Ball. Like, that would cause a lot of confusion. Like, what's this yeah. personal column? Was yeah. this wait Lord? What? Hmm. Yeah, it's like Lord, but no, you can't have it because it's too close to Lorid. Like, are yeah. you kidding me? Hmm. So that's kind of one of those because maybe in a different, uh, mm. like in a different string theory, an alternate universe, this film was a huge hit. We don't even have I Love Lucy because Lucille Ball goes on to be the hmm. next big film star, right? Isn't that crazy? Move over, Betty. Yeah. (laughs) Those are your tasties. Christine, you have some tasties? Only about her passing out. Oh, that's right. So um, I, I, I can't believe that it wasn't a better, more of a success. It was so good. The plot was good and the twists were good. And um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. So listeners, we do suggest you watch it. It's a good one hour, 42 minutes. Yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, that, like the, the end, you'll be... <laughs> Everything was like, we're engaged. I was like, oh, man. Okay. Yeah, that was silly. And then she had to beg for his forgiveness. Blah, blah, blah. But, yeah. But, but we had a good thing going. I mean, the, the, the Douglas Sirk would be like, hey, <laughs> look what I had to deal with. They changed yeah. the film's name because it was too much like Lorid. I... Look what I was able to get away with. We. This is why we can't have nice things, people. 
And the close-ups of her were gorgeous. Well, really, yeah. we got we got a Garbo's lensman here. Yes, we like did. he don't know how to. He knows how to. It's like, don't worry, I got you, babe. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so next week, me right? Oh, I hope. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize it until we were on this call. Um, <laughs> but I'm not ready to leave Lucy yet because I love her. I, I like it. So we're doing a choose your own adventure. She's Googling Lucy movies. I could I tell. I don't need to Google it. I had it in um, my particulars. <laughs> so would you like to go... To 1938 or 1968? I, I want to go to 38. I did too. In 1968, yours, mine, ours? Yeah. Yeah, I knew that too. What's 38? Okay. It's a movie called Room Service. Ooh. With the Marx Brothers. Oh my God. Um... One hour and 18 minutes. Oh, that's why she picked it. Can I'm we watch we it? it? It says, let me see. Uh, we might have to go to, I don't know if we can watch it. Probably on YouTube, right? Usually we can. Um, let's see. Yes, we can rent it. It's oh, yeah, and you can rent or buy on Amazon also. Yep. All of it them. It says, Broadway producer Gordon Miller, Groucho Marx, has sunk every dime into his latest project, but still lacks the money to get the play out of rehearsals. While dodging hotel manager and his henchmen over his unpaid bills, Gordon, director Harry Benelli, and manager Faker Inglund tried to soothe the jangled nerves of their playwright and convince a wealthy backer to invest heavily in the show. He sounds like he's inventing Anna. He is a VIP. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and Lucille Ball's character is named Christine. <gasps> oh. I know. Well, I mean. It says this is the uh, first film or one of few that was not written for the Marx Brothers. Also oh, there. So, yeah, that's that's an interesting plot twist. There you go. A tasty titty before we even watched it. That's right, baby. Well, there we go, listeners. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Lured, and we really suggest you watch it. Next week, we'll have some more Lucia with those crazy Marx brothers. Hopefully, there's no blackface. <laughs> I know. There's, I there, know. We do risk that. It's, I know. It's 1938. It's 1938. Yeah. So, we, but we will definitely discuss it if it comes up. Well, at least they weren't actively in associations that oh. are, are deemed white supremacist associations. Right. <laughs> so White Uber Alice uh, associations. Yeah, in in 1947, like after like, we had, yeah, you you've witnessed World War II and you're still just on that segregation now, segregation forever, man. What a soapbox to die on. I hope he <laughs> choked on it. 
Motherfucker. <laughs> and that is our fuck boy for probably the month. Well, listeners, we hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.